Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Recently, the Holy Spirit was speaking to my heart that more than ever before in the history of humanity, there is a message that is starting to make sense. There is a message that seems to work. There's a message that seems to have answers. There is a message that seems to have results. There is a message that seems to give solutions. Many years ago when we started teaching about the message of His grace or the word of His grace, many people misunderstood what we meant or why we emphasized it that far. We don't blame them because many of them don't understand, have not yet understood, it has not yet been revealed to them the power of that message. And I recall some went about accusing that we're telling people to sin, so grace should abound, which is not true. Some tell people that we don't fast, which is not true. I perhaps fast more than many of you watching. Some say we don't pray. It's because they get confused with personal prayer and communal prayer. So they assume that because you don't expose your craft, men, men, you don't have a secret place with God. So there were many accusations, which are okay. We don't have a problem with that, really. But over the years, the Lord impressed it on my heart and said, keep preaching it, keep preaching it. And we keep preaching every day, every year, we have kept preaching this. And we have started to see the results as people who have not only experienced the wonder-working power of God in their lives. I can see many of you who have sat under this ministry for four, five, six, seven years. I've seen the changes on your lives, the marriages, the children. Things have changed. Things have changed. Somebody shout hallelujah. And so when we are talking about doctrine, you know, the doctrine of grace, you know, teaching of righteousness imputed through faith and all these kinds of things, some people think that we're just you know, speaking. No, no, we're not just speaking as others are. It's one thing to speak. It's another to have the experience of a thing that you are teaching. And I felt tonight that there's something I need to emphasize for some of us because when a period where a lot of people are dying, a lot of people are sickly, people are losing their loved ones, uh, you know, a lot of hope has gone from the hearts of people, the hearts of men, the Bible says, have failed for fear. People are confused. You know, people are seeking answers and they cannot find many. You know, science is doing its part, it's trying, biology is doing its part, and today science is becoming God or is taking the place of God in some people's hearts. And, you know, whoever is doing is doing what they can in their own ability. But I need to bring us back to the conversation of the message that we have always emphasized from day one. There are things that I want to open your spirit into. Because God has instructed us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Son of God. So there are things I want to share with you tonight 
that I believe are going to bless you so immensely. In the book of Hebrews, the seventh chapter, the 28th verse, the scriptures there say something so, so, so powerful, so revealing. He says that for the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity. But the word of the oath which was since the law maketh the son who is consecrated forevermore. The law maketh men high priests which have infirmity. Now the word there for infirmity is asthenia, asthenia, which means men which are want of strength, which means men which are frail, which means men which are feeble of health, of sickness, of the soul or the body. It speaks of men who are morally frail. It speaks of people which are diseased. It speaks of people which are living in constant weakness. It speaks of people which are restrained. It speaks of people in constant troubles. It says, the law maketh men high priests which are in constant troubles. The law maketh men high priests which are frail in their body, which are sickly, which are diseased, which are morally frail, which are feeble of health. That's what the law does. So when we are telling people law versus grace, understand the power of this thing. He says, when you're talking about the law, it maketh men high priests which have infirmity. If you read that from the message version, it speaks of how the law maketh or creates men or appoints high priests which are never, the Bible says, able to get the job done right. They're never able to get the job done right. He says, but this intervening command of God, which came later, appoints the son who is absolutely, eternally perfect. They cannot get the job done. If you're talking about healing the sick, they cannot get the job done. If you're talking about winning souls, they cannot get the job done. If you're talking about getting a breakthrough, they cannot get the job done. If you're talking about effective prayer, they cannot get the job done. If you're talking about answers, they cannot get the job done. The letter, the Bible says, killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. Some Christians, even who are born again for many years, and some have been in very active ministry, have not yet come to the full recognition of the power of the life of God in us through faith by the Spirit. And so many are living under or by the power of the law, and their works toward the law are not the power of God and the life of God which is in us. And so today, I want to take you on a conversation and open a few things for you spiritually that will help you align yourself eternally. When you understand this, you will not walk in any weakness. You will live above weakness. The weakness of the soul, the weakness of the flesh, financial weaknesses, spiritual weaknesses, disease. When you understand this, you will not fall sick. Do you know that it is strange today to tell believers that it's actually possible for you to live divinely healthy or to live in divine health? It's, some people don't believe that actually you can be healthy until the day you leave this world. You understand? 
But they read it that his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead unto sins should live unto righteousness. And he says, and by his stripes we were healed. First test. They read it. But many of them have not come to the realization of the power of that statement, that it's actually possible to live in divine health until the day you leave this world. Somebody shout hallelujah. Like it is also possible to live wealthy until the day you leave this world. Like it's also possible to live in a glorious life until the day you leave this world. It is possible. It is possible. Because the scriptures support this notion. And so many of us give opinions based on human reasoning and experiences. But every time I invite them into a conversation of the word, not many are able to bear what the word of God says. And some have chosen to believe their present circumstances or the experiences of other people, or victims of people who have fallen, you know, short of the glory of God because they weigh the word of God against the performances of these men and women and forget that the sovereignty of God's word is bigger than one man's activity or application of that word. So if it did not work for a particular man, it does not presuppose that the word of God does not work. Somebody shout hallelujah. The word of God is a double-edged sword. It cuts asunder, separates the bone and marrow. That word works. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. And so today I want to take us on a conversation of this understanding. When we teach about the law, we're not against the law. The Bible says the law is good. The Bible says the law is good. What we're saying is that you cannot live in your own ability to fulfill the law of God. And that is why he sends Jesus Christ as a propitiation of your sins. He becomes seen in your place that you might become the righteousness of God. And that righteousness which you have received of God is not of your own works. It is imputed on you by faith. In Romans, David says, Blessed be the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not sin, but he imputeth righteousness. Somebody shout hallelujah. It is righteousness imputed without works. It is righteousness imputed without works. So it's not about what I do to receive the righteousness of God. It's about what God has done in Christ and me believing in that work. It's a very powerful thing. Because you live a life understanding that it's not entirely on your performance. God is not saying that your performance is wrong. He's only saying that that's not what justifies you to walk in the fullness of what I've prepared for you. What justifies you to walk in the fullness of what I've prepared for you is your faith in me. Shout amen. He says, for by grace are ye saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God and not of works. Least any man should boast. Least any man should boast. Least any man should boast. Now, when we're talking about this life, that we live in God, this righteousness that is imputed by us who believe. When we understand it through the ministry of grace, that's where the strength of God, the ability of God, the power of God, the anointing of God starts working in every aspect of our lives. Some people don't understand this secret. They don't understand this message. They don't get it. But I pray that you'll get it. And for those of you who understand it tonight, your eyes are going to be flooded even the more. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout amen. When I'm talking about this righteousness in Romans chapter 8, the ninth verse, if you will read the amplified version, he says, but you are not living the life of the flesh. Ye are living the life of the spirit. Now I want you to hear that. You are not living the life of the flesh. 
ye are living the life of the Spirit. So that means there are two lives that are lived or can be lived. Some people live the life of the flesh and other people live the life of the Spirit. Two people. Some people live the life of the Spirit and others live the life of the flesh. They are believers, but they live the life of the flesh. They live the life of the corruptible flesh and its nature and its dictates. Now let's continue reading here. It's going to be beautiful for you to understand this. He says, if the Holy Spirit of God really dwells within you, if he does, if he really does, then you are supposed to live the life of the Spirit, not the life of the flesh. If the Spirit really directs you, if the Spirit really controls you and he dwells within you. You see, some people have the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, but they don't walk after the direction of the Holy Spirit. They don't walk after the leading of the Holy Spirit. So it's possible to live the life of the flesh, even though you're born again. Yes, the Spirit of God is indwelling, but he is not in control. You are in control of your own self, your own wisdom, your own opinions about life. He says, but if anyone does not possess the Holy Spirit of Christ, he's none of his and he does not belong to Christ and is not truly a child of God. But if Christ lives in you, listen, then although your natural body is dead by reason of sin and guilt, this is powerful, the spirit is alive because of the righteousness that is imputed to you. Oh, glory. He said, if your mortal body is dead by reason of sin, because you know the sin nature in man is the reason of death in man. Death is as a result of sin. You see that? For by one man's sin, the Bible says, death came into the world by one man's sin. Death entered into the world. And the Bible says, and so death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. That is the reason why people die. And what is the provisional experience known to all men for death to occur? Sickness. Sickness. Because people fall sick and then they die. Oh, this one is suffering from cancer, they die. This one is suffering from HIV, they die. This one is dealing with COVID and they die. This one is dealing with this kind of disease and they die. You see? So what brings death is as a result of sin. Before sin comes into the world and has power in two men, man was not dying. Actually, man was made to live forever. That's why I always tell people, I have always meditated for a moment to think that actually men live 900 years in the same body. Of people who are dying at 80, people who are dying at 50, people who are dying at 30, people who are dying at 20. And many of them don't even have a course or direction in life. They don't have purpose. They have not lived or served God. Somebody shout hallelujah. So he says that even though your body could be sickly. Now remember, we're talking about priests with infirmity. We're talking about priests with weakness. We're talking about high priests with that feeble health. He says that even though your body is dead by reason of sin and guilt, he says the spirit is alive or the spirit giveth life in some versions. 
or the spirit is life in some versions because of the righteousness that he has imputed on you. So you don't take this righteousness of God imputed on you by faith for granted. This very righteousness is the very guarantee of the life of God operating of you in you when your body is weak, if your body is sickly. This is the very righteousness that is appropriated on your life. So if a man doesn't even yet understand that he is the righteousness of God in Christ or if he has not yet understood how to apply righteousness as a witness that man is in danger doesn't matter how many vitamins he swallows it doesn't matter how much organic food he eats it doesn't matter how many times he visits the doctors that man's health is in trouble that man's family is in trouble that man's ministry is in trouble because they do not know what gives life in the place of death they do not know how the life of god is appropriated in the times of attestations and trials they do not know how to come out of trouble when it gets them so, even though your body is growing older, by reason of sin, you're aging. In fact, recently I was watching a documentary, scientists cannot explain why people grow old. Because your body produces new cells. Continuously. So they don't understand, they don't see the science of why people grow old. There's nothing scientific to explain how a body is growing older, yet it produces new cells every now and then. You see, they can't explain that too. But it's just refusing to admit that this is because of the curse that has befallen human nature after the fall of the Adamic. Somebody shout hallelujah. So now here, God is telling the church, the believer, you and I, he's giving us the antidote for life. And he's saying that yes, your natural body might have issues. You might be born with ulcers. You might be born with this. You might be born with that. Like I've given you an example, somebody who was born sickle cell. And I pronounced over her life and I said, you'll never have a crisis. And they go to a doctor and the doctor finds the cells normal now. See, what happened right there was the spirit giving life. So it goes beyond even you protecting your body through faith. It goes to a place where you even learn to extend life to them which are sick. You learn to pray for the sick and they're healed. You learn to speak to dead situation wherever death is. Life can be when a man understands the righteousness that is imputed by faith. Let me say this. Wherever death is, life can be to a man who understands the righteousness that is imputed to you through faith. God has called us to give life wherever death is. Your businesses are dead, you're called to give life. Careers are dying, you're called to give life. The destinies of men are dying, you're called to give life. Wherever death is, when you understand this principle, you'll be a miracle worker. You'll understand the difference between charisma, the gift, and charismatos, the source of the gifting. You don't only celebrate what God is doing by the anointing. No, you become the source of demonstration of power. Somebody shout hallelujah. When they're looking for a healing machine, they call you. When they're looking for somebody to pray for somebody which is possessed by devils, they call you. Why? Because not only are you with the gift, but you carry the source that releases gifts to men. He gave gifts to men. And this is love made perfect that we might have confidence on that day. For as he is, the Bible says, so are we in this world. So as he is, so are we in this world. We're also called to give gifts of healing to men, to give gifts of breakthrough to men, to give answers and solutions, not questions. Let me say some minister questions rather than faith, rather than faith, which is after God, edification. God has called the church to give answers, not to create Question. Somebody shout hallelujah. 
But you see, the only reason why we're giving questions instead of answers, the Bible says we're giving heed to fables and endless genealogies. These are the things that minister questions to our hearts. We're not preaching the message in its entirety. If you see somebody who's not able to walk in the healing power of God, that person has not yet understood the righteousness of faith. When you understand the righteousness of faith, you will move mountains. You will level valleys in the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody shout hallelujah. So he tells us here, the spirit is alive because of the righteousness that is imputed into you. And verse 11 says, if the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised up Christ Jesus from the dead will also restore your life your mortal life, your short-lived perishable bodies, through his spirit who dwells in you, he will bring restoration. It shall be for health and restoration. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. He says, so then brethren, we're debtors, but not to the flesh. We're not obligated to our canon nature. I'm not obligated to anything my body speaks. This is so powerful. I'm not obligated to respond to pain. I'm not obligated to respond to what the doctor said about my body. I'm not obligated. And under no obligation, there is no spiritual law aligned to truth that would fault you if you refuse to say that I'm sick, if the doctor has said that you're sick, or even if you feel so, because you are not a debtor to the flesh. You're not submitted to what it says. But you know how many people who think that it's their obligation? You know how many people think that it's their obligation? To attend to the carnal nature. Oh, you know, I'm also human. How many people have you found in life are so conscious of their humanity than they are of the sonship that they have toward God? Many believers, unfortunately. And that is why they produce results of human beings. <laughs> Somebody shout hallelujah. The life God has called us to. If some people understood it, they would even start repenting for the things they've been teaching over the years. But not many are able to understand it because they are using their own wisdom and reasoning. They're not following what the word of God says. I am not a debtor to the flesh. I'm not obligated to attend or give attention or recognize my carnal nature. He says, when we understand this, that we're not debtors to the flesh, we'll understand who we are truly indebted to. So let's continue. We are not obligated to our carnal nature to live a life ruled by the standards set up by the dictates of the flesh. Standards. Standards. There's somebody right now who is diabetic. They tell him, if you ever eat this, you'll die. And they will die if they eat it. Because their body is sick. Now, I want you to read Romans 8 and change it. Because in this ministry, I have testimonies of people which were healed of diabetes. Somehow their life had, had a set standard. And the body dictated that from today, you're not going to be able to eat something sweet. That which God created to be good. And some say, I'm diabetic. And then we lay hands on them and they're healed. They're healed. 
And somebody's body gets normal just like that and they go back to the doctor and the doctor cannot understand how this person which has been diabetic for all these years, their body has turned to agree with the will of God. It's simple. This person submitted to the will of the life of God which is in them than the dictates of the flesh, the standards their flesh was trying to set over them. Oh, some of you, you know, I remember one time I was doing an interview in the bank and I had understood this truth. And so, you know, you guys go for that original medical thing and then they ask you questions. In your family, do you have people with histories of diabetes? In your family, do you have histories of hypertension and all these things in your family? And I told this doctor, no. Nothing like that. I said, no. He says, oh, it's a common thing in Africa. How come, you know, in your family there's nothing? I told him, look, <laughs> when you talk of family, I begin with Jesus. And I go to Paul. And I go to every man which never fell sick in the gospel. And I define my family. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. They told Jesus, your brothers are here to see us. They say, who are my brothers? Who is my family? Who is my family? Who is my brother? Who is my sister? He says, save they which do the will of God. So I looked through and I looked for cancer in Paul. I didn't see it. I didn't see hypertension in Peter. I didn't see high blood pressure. I didn't see, you know, those things in Jesus Christ. And so when they asked me that in your history, do you have people who have diabetes? I said, no, because we don't have them. Somebody shout hallelujah. <laughs> Whosoever shall do the will of the Father, the Bible says, the same is my brother, my sister, and my mother. So in our family, we don't have those things. Somebody shout hallelujah. I don't know how many people in your family, you have some diseases. In ours, it's not there. Praise God. We produce children with the knowledge that they will not pass anything. Nothing in our DNA can corrupt the next generation. That is understanding. If you get this, it's going to change your life for good. Somebody shout hallelujah. In my family, some people say, people die young. How? How? Which family? Which family are you talking about? Which family are you talking about? In my family, somebody says, all of us are asthmatic. In our family, everyone that I know has been suffering of allergies. In our families, we have issues with eyes. All of us put on glasses. All of us. <laughs> all of us. Refuse it in Jesus' name. Refuse it in Jesus' name. I have a wonderful pastor friend of mine. All his life, he was put on glasses. But something inherited. He used to put on thick glasses. And we are in a meeting. Old fellow. And he says, he closed his eyes to pray. And he opened his eyes. And the glasses he uses every day start to make him dizzy. And he thinks he's dizzy. So he takes off the glasses and he starts to see <laughs> what happened. What happened? The reality of the family to which he belonged took course in his body and it adjusted. Somebody shout hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, know where you belong. Understand your portion. Tell them, understand your portion. Shout amen. Shout glory to God. So he says, for if you live, verses 13, according to the dictates of the flesh, you will surely die. It's not even a doubt. It's not even, you may, it's not a could, it's not a might, no. It's not even a will. It's a will surely die. But if 
through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now let's understand this. If through the power of the Holy Spirit, in this particular sermon, put to death. No, the Amplified says you habitually put to death. You make extinct. You deaden the evil deeds prompted by the body. You shall really and genuinely live forever. So this is not this, oh, in that sermon, everything is changed. No, he says, cultivate a life of habitually deadening the works, the promptings of your flesh continually. That is something every day when I'm in my personal prayer, I say in my prayer. Every day. It's one of those things. Let me tell you, there's just this one thing I repeat every day when I'm praying. I don't know a day now that I pray and I don't say I always say, I thank you, God, because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And because that righteousness of God is imputed unto me by faith, hallelujah, glory to God, the spirit of God working in me is for life and not death. Therefore, I decree and I declare that from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet, I am healthy, I am strong, and I don't fall sick. I don't. I refuse it. It ain't mean that we have not felt things. Are you hearing me? It ain't mean that you don't wake up sometimes and something is feeling funny. No. It only means that you make a choice whether you're going to attend to that fun or you're going to flip it and change it and say, Hey! Somebody shout hallelujah. You say, I refuse to be sick. I cannot be sick. And you know what? As you're continuing to speak it, strength comes. As you're continuing to confess it, your body starts aligning. As you continue to speak it, your body starts living and functioning in the will and purposes of God. And before you know that, you start feeling the strength. You start feeling the power. You start feeling everything flowing in your bones, right? Your blood starts pumping, right? And oh, everything is fine. Everything is well. And then you move on. They just see 10 years you're preaching, 20 years you're preaching, every day you're preaching, you are available. And they're asking themselves, but how? For it is not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Glory to God. Shout amen. amen. I say it always that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. And because of that, even though the body would be weak, the Spirit of God giveth life in the place to restore every part of me that could have died. And therefore, because I believe in that, I believe that I will really and genuinely live forever. I say that every day. Somebody shout hallelujah. When the day comes for us to go in heaven, you'll just sleep in the Lord. No, 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 refuse those sicknesses. Siji, she was in hospital for 20 years and then he went in coma for 36 days and then they tweeted and then took to India and back for operation. No, your day comes, you know it has come. You tell them goodbye, you even pronounce blessings on your children. You slip into eternity like a woman of God. Or if you even have higher faith, while winds come and horses with fire come and you sit on that chariot and like Elijah, off you go, glory to God. For with God all things are possible. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. And he's, he's giving us the answer here. He's giving us the answer here. You see, righteousness is a weapon. It's not just a doctrine. It's a weapon. I was studying the book of Psalms, the fifth chapter, the twelfth verse, and I learned Psalms so beautiful. You're going to love this. Now, the Bible says in Psalms chapter 5, the 12th verse, it says, For the Lord will bless the righteous with favor, will thou compass him 
with a shield. You will bless the righteous and with favor you will compass him as with a shield. You'll compass him as with a shield. The favor of God comes upon you like a shield. And that's the blessing of the righteous. Now in the Old Testament, that righteousness was of works. In the New Testament, that righteousness is of faith. So you still keep the blessing of the righteous, albeit in this dispensation, that righteousness comes through faith. Now, favor compasses you like a shield. Now, when I'm studying that kind of shield, the particular shield defined in Psalms 5.12, when I went into the Hebrew to study the Hebrew, it is not the usual shield like the shield of faith. That's not the kind of favor God is talking about. Oh, it's not the shield that you see in a, your gladiator movie. You know, when you see the movies where people are holding shields and people are, you know, throwing spears at them or arrows and they're shielding themselves or the shield of your Captain America. No, 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 that's not the kind of shield. Well, Captain America's shield is high, but that's not the kind of shield we're talking about. The Hebrew translation there, when it defines the shield, go and study. It's a prickling shield. It's this kind of shield here spoken about in the Hebrew. It's not just a plain shield, hard just to protect the person from the enemy. No, it's a prickling shield. It's as though it's a shield made, but it has spooks, very sharp, prickling things on them, piercing things on them. They have piercing hooks. And interestingly, when you study the Hebrew, those hooks too are targeted. They're not just misdirected hooks, no. They're in one direction on target. Oh, that means you're not just shielded. You shield with a prick. You shield with a piercing. Now, some people don't understand this, but when Paul was persecuting the church, and Jesus comes to him and says, So, so, why hast thou persecutest me? And Saul asks, Who are you, Lord? And he says, It's me. Eh? And he tells him, For you cannot kick against the pricks. That is exactly the very definition. This is not just pricks, no. Behind those pricks was a shield of righteousness imputed upon the church. And that means that when that kind of man is persecuted or attacked, God does not leave the persecutor or attacker the way they came. Something pricks them, either into revival and salvation or into judgment. It's a pricking shield. It's a piercing shield. So, oh, yeah, 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 you got it. Because you see, every time we read the word of God, it's sharper than a double-edged sword. It cuts asunder, separating the bone and marrow. And we're talking about the sword of the spirit, which is the rema of the word. And some people always, every time we're talking about the sword of the spirit, many people think of a sword, a man holding a sword, because that's their definition of that sword. They saw that in a gladiator movie. But when we get here now, we're realizing that this sword here is in the shield. This sword is in the shield. This piercing is in the shield. This prick. This pricking is in the shield. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout amen. Shout glory to God. Without that shield, there is no piercing. Without that shield, there is no prickliness. 
It's not there. So it's the base of that righteousness that God has given you. So when the enemy comes, <laughs> you know, somebody sent me a message recently and said, they found me COVID positive. And I told them, COVID is in trouble. Now, do you understand where I came from? I told them, COVID is in trouble. No, you see, some say, oh, people are sick. Oh, oh, she's in trouble. No, no, no. This time around, when you're a believer, sickness is in trouble. Because it's going to fall on something that will pierce it. Somebody shout hallelujah. It's sitting on something that will prick it out. Do you understand what I'm saying? With that kind of thing, the fever on your life is piercing. The fever on your life is pricking. The fever in your life has effects. Somebody shout hallelujah. It will cause men to bleed for what is right and true. Why? Because that's the blessedness of the righteousness of faith. That's why later we see Isaiah reconciling it. And he says in righteousness you shall be established. Now listen, in righteousness, you shall be established. Now listen to the establishment of God. He says, thou shall be far from oppression, for thou shall not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. Why does it, it come near you? Answer me. Because you're prickling. You're piercing. You don't just have a shield, no. The demon, the sickness, the disease, the attack goes back and tells all its devils and cohorts that when you attack that one, you're going to come back bleeding if you're not dead. If you attack that one, you're going to be affected whether you want it or not. And adversely, they're the ones which God tells the others that don't take your attack to that one because his shield pierces. His shield pricks. Somebody shout hallelujah. He pricks. That's a rema. This is it. You have to be in a constant habitual life of confessing these things. I am the righteousness of God. His favor shields me. And my shield pierces all frustration, all disappointment, all sickness, all failure. All attacks, they're diverted. And they're the ones that want the others. But when you're attacking that one, don't go. So they become far. And you know why you're established? Because you see, you have time to build. When your attackers have a fear of you, you have time to build. Because it is possible to live a life of one attack into another attack into another attack into another attack. 20 years later, you realize that your mind of building has been diverted into responding to those who hate you, your critics and your attackers. That is why I don't attack ministries. You've never had me mention a man of God with my mouth. You've never had me mention a ministry with my mouth. I can deal with an issue, a doctrine, a wrong teaching or a delusion in the church because that's the apostolic office and I speak that in love, but I have never spoken. I have never put a problem just to attack a particular individual. And if somebody can think that, then they don't know me very well or they don't understand a true apostle. You know why? Because I'm establishing. I'm established. Every morning I wake up to establish. 
I'm far from oppression in the mighty name of Jesus. I'm far from fear in the name of Jesus. I'm far from terror in the name of Jesus. It shall not come near thee. That is why he says a thousand shall fall at one side and ten thousand on the other. But none of those things shall by any means come nigh thee. And he says, and he amplified, and only a spectator shall you be in the secret place of the Most High as you witness the reward of the wicked because you have made your God the Most High, your dwelling place. Somebody shout, I'm inaccessible to disease. I'm inaccessible to struggle. Say, I'm inaccessible to strife. Say, I'm inaccessible to weakness. In the mighty name of Jesus. Say, I cannot be broken. I'm inaccessible to any attacks of the enemy. Say, I'm inaccessible from oppression. In the mighty name of Jesus. And as you're speaking it right now, oh, the sword of the spirit, the remor of God is cutting on what could have attacked you. It is dealing with what could have drowned you. It is frustrating what would have strangled you. That is what the word of God does. Shout hallelujah, glory to God. That is why I always tell you, you can't fail. You're shielded from failure. You're guarded from disappointment. God says you will not be put to shame. Oh, I've seen, I've been into this world, I've walked up and about, and like the psalmist, he says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. This now even extends through and even has a preservation of your seed. Luke 8, 11, the parable is that the seed is the word of God. That means my message can't beg. It can't beg for revelation. Bread is available for the eater and seed to the sower. That is why when he gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater, the fruit of righteousness is multiplied. The fruit of righteousness is multiplied. It increases every day because that's what righteousness does. When you understand that, you see, I know pastors say, you know, sometimes you preach and you feel like you're out. I can never be out. For as long as you know me, I'll always teach you something. You'll always learn something new. You'll always learn something for as long as you live. Why? Because my bread is available. I don't beg bread. Bread is in abundance. Even if you told me to preach every day, I'll come out with something new every day. I'll give you a face of the gospel you have never known. I'll show you something you'll never read in a book or see on a CD. Why? Because the bread is available. It's abundant in my spirit. The anointing of God stirs it. And he speaks so clearly every day. I Feel it stir my spirit to the next place of my ministry. And that is how I know that for as long as we are here, we're going to preach this gospel from one level of glory to another level of glory to another level of glory because we are of the fruit of his redemption and the seed of righteousness abides in the inside of us. And that is why right now I'm going to take an opportunity to pray with you right now, right this very second. This very second, if you have a disease that the doctors say is incurable, if you are suffering with an attack that they say cannot be fixed, your career is dealing with something that cannot be changed, your business is going through something that people say cannot be fixed, tonight I want to pray with you. 
I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. Whatever challenge it is, yes, the law makes men high priests with infirmity. But the word of the oath that came after the law maketh the son who is consecrated forever. And you live in those consecrations in the name of Jesus. Raise your voice and start to speak to God. We have come with open hearts. Oh, let the ancient words Ancient words long preserved for our pray in this world very sound with God's own heart. Oh, let the ancient words words of life, words of hope. They give us strength, help us call in this world where we roam. Ancient words will guide us home. Ancient words, ever truth, a change. declare that sickness ceases in your body that whoever is suffering of COVID I cast it from the root in the name of Jesus that hypertension leaves your body that diabetes leaves your body that HIV leaves your body that cancer leaves your body that death leaves your body that testations of your mind leave in the name of Jesus I rebuke bipolar split personality disorders psychotic manic I rebuke you in the name of Jesus I rebuke poverty out of your life I rebuke strife out of your life I rebuke I rebuke it I rebuke it I rebuke it I rebuke it in the name of Jesus get out in the name of Jesus you will not struggle with life you will not struggle with pain I frustrate whatever has been frustrating you I travel what has been troubling you I judge whatever has been hurting you in the mighty name of Jesus I decree that you advance I decree that you increase I decree that you multiply when men are casting down for so it shall be lifting 
the favor of God is around you. His shield is on you. You are protected. You are guarded. You are under guarded. In the mighty name of Jesus, the vision of God is working on your life. You're more than a conqueror by Christ, which strengthens you. Live in the victory of God. Live in the joy of the Lord. Blessed be the Lord. Blessed be the Lord. Somebody give him a mighty hand clap of praise. Receive everything and say it's mine. Uganda is free in the name of Jesus. Africa is free in the name of Jesus. Of disease we are free. We decree that disease is far from our dwelling in the mighty name of Jesus. We'll not bury our own. Oh, Rebadela. Europe is free. America is free. All the islands, Asia is free. In the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody decree it. He said you shall decree a thing. And it shall be so. Thank you, Jesus. If you've never given your life to Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You just repeat these words after me. You say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you shed your blood for my sins and was raised for my glory. Tonight, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. I'm born again. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.